Hi, and welcome to the Ethnos New Brunswick podcast. We're so glad you're joining us. Ethnos is a new organization looking to join in the holistic, community-transforming work happening in New Brunswick and Highland Park. Part of that includes thinking about the spiritual health and vitality of our community. Each week, our gathering is meant to give our community a safe and helpful place for that. Today's episode, Commitment, is the first in our series called Family, Is It Possible? with a conversation being led by Speaker Yukon Chu. We're actually in a new series. Uh, if you remember last week, we kind of ended this uh, opening year series called DNA, and we're jumping into a new series that's going to just take us about four weeks to go through. And this series, as you can see here, is called Family, Is It Possible? Now, why are, we, why are we spending four weeks to think about this? Why, are we, why do we need to talk about this uh, as a community? Well, many of you, number one, are familiar with God and Jesus and how they talk about us being a family together through Jesus uh, and having God as our father. We are a family, a spiritual family together. That's something that Jesus really wants us to understand as we try to figure out how to live well into our spirituality. But we believe here, though, that this is a very interesting metaphor, if you think about this, right? Because many of us don't know how to ha have a healthy family relationship, right? It's one thing to hear when you're in a space like this, oh, yeah, we're supposed to be family. And I think many of us can conceive of like, oh, yeah, family is supposed to be positive, right? But many of us, when it gets down to it, practically speaking, we've, we, we come from broken places. We, we don't know how to have good family relationships. And so, especially in this season, you, you may have remembered uh, in our last series, uh, in 2019, we, we really believe God has something special in store for Ethnos. We really believe we're going to grow in new ways. Uh, we have a sense that in the next six months, our, our fledgling group here will double in size because of just, you know, we're still new in the city, and we really believe God is doing something, bringing more people to be on this spiritual journey. So here's the deal. If we're going to continue to grow and double in size and new people are going to come in, well, we definitely want people to feel like this is home, this is family, this is a safe space. But if we're all coming from broken places, how in the world are we going to be family together? Maybe more importantly, is it even possible to be a safe space, a safe family together? And so we thought, man, we need to spend some time thinking about this getting on the same page and letting God transform us so that we can, first of all, experience how he is a safe father to us and then how we can be safe people, not just to each other in this room, but to the many we believe in our city who are going to be on that spiritual journey in this season of our community's life. Why don't we get started with a question? Uh, I'm kind of just jumping right into it, but let, let's just kind of get started with a question when you think about the word family, or the idea of family, uh, what are some positive thoughts and feelings you have? What, what are some of those negative ones as well? Let's, let's start talking about what we think about when we hear the word family. Turn to your neighbors, your table partners, take about two minutes processing this, and we'll kind of get into this discussion together. Let's go. All right, so 
let's, let's talk about this together. Let's, let's get our feet wet here this morning and process this as a wider community. What, what comes to your mind when you think about family? What are some positive things? What are some challenging things? Who wants to get us started? What comes to mind? Yeah, over here. Um, when, I, when I talk about family, it's, um, I know that they are my, my, my blood relatives, so they care about my like, health and well-being. We don't necessarily share spiritual faith, but we do care about each other. I know that. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, so you, what I hear you saying, Sean, is, yeah, when you think about family, you think about, yeah, people you're related to by blood who actually care for you, but maybe there are parts of you you don't talk about as a family. Yeah, no, that's real. I think that's, that's probably pretty common in this room. Let's give Sean a hand. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what else? What comes to mind when you think about the word family, the idea of family? Yeah. Um, I think about, like, an already established community that you have, like, a permanent community. Um, which sometimes you don't always share the same faith, but, um, you know, you still have, like, a, an established group of people who, like, support you and love you, and so you yeah. at least have that within family if you don't have it anywhere else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. Let's give it up, yeah, for Linnea, right? <laughs> Lenora, Lenora, yeah. Yeah, no, it's something, family is something that in many of our minds is this, it's established. It's like, yeah, you can't get away with them, from them if you want to get away. Um, they're just there, right? Um, and, but yeah, that, that, that there's something, I think, in our mind that family sounds permanent in a, in a good way. Uh, yeah, what, what else? What else are you thinking about when you hear the word family, when you think about family? Anybody else? Yeah. Well, when you get old like me, um, you just think about the goodness of people. Um, like ethnos. Um, you guys know you're my family now, although I have family around, you know, blood family around, but I never do anything with them. So <laughs> everything is ethos, so I mean, I'm happy with it, but that's how, what God does. All right, let's give it up for Deborah. Yeah. So what I hear you saying, Deborah, is, um, yeah, that you're thinking about the goodness of family and how family can extend beyond blood family uh, to a group like ethos and and how that can be really, really a good thing. Okay, anybody else? Maybe one more, one more thought. What do you think about when you think about family? Positive, negative, what comes to mind? Yeah, Jefferson? I think of people who are willing to put up with um, all your nastiness. We were just talking, me and Lenora, about like, um, well, personally for me, like I'm the eldest of the family, and there's certain expectations that come with that. You know, you have to lead prayer, you have to lead meetings. But at the same time, you have to deal with the, your younger siblings. <laughs> I don't know their their type of tenacities. Like, for example, leaving one cookie in a cookie jar and just leaving it in the cupboard. What's the whole point of that? But yet again, you still love them all the same. You still love them all the same. The feelings are still mutual and the feelings are still there. Hopefully they feel the same way about me as their eldest sibling. But yeah, that's how I think. Let's give it for Jefferson. Yeah. Speaking like a true oldest brother. Um, you're right. No, we family, uh, we, we all know, I think all of our blood families, at least, they're, yeah, there are personality differences, there's conflict, we put up with each other. There's a sense of maybe commitment to each other that kind of overcomes perhaps some of those differences, right? Okay, yeah. You know, this idea of family, again, it, it's, it's a big topic, right? We all come from somewhere, uh, come from a group of people we might call family. 
Now, the reality is, again, some of us have intact families or families where there's some decent support. Others of us, of course, come from families that are just more families by name, but really, when it comes down to it, the relationships actually aren't there. Perhaps uh, you had people pass away, your family is, is small or limited, or perhaps there's just a lot of broken relationships there. Now, here's the deal. Again, at Ethnos, we're, you know, we're still a relatively new community here in our city. We really believe that as we continue to press into our city, our neighborhoods, our relationships here, we really believe God is asking us to be a family. Um, as we look at the teachings of Jesus, Jesus is constantly saying, yeah, you are, we're family. You are my brothers and sisters. We have one father together. And so we need to figure out here at Ethnos, how do we be family together? How do we be family with the people in this room? How do we be family for our wider city as people continue to come through our doors and figure out, hey, what's, what's going on with my spiritual life right now? I, I need to figure this out. We need to be family for our city. So how? Well, again, we're going to focus on four different topics uh, throughout this, this brief series. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about safety. We're going to talk about habits as a family. How do we develop good habits? Our last week, we have a special guest uh, who's going to talk about what does it mean to be gay and part of the family? Because I think that's a big issue in our everyday life right now when it comes to religion and spirituality and sexual identity. So we're going to have a really neat conversation there. But today, we're going to get started with this very important subject, this very important idea that I think is at the foundation of what makes family family, and it's this issue of commitment. Commitment. We become healthy, safe, strong families when we are committed to each other. Now, here's the deal. I don't know about you, but some of you, when you hear the word commitment, immediately you're getting a little scared, right? Perhaps you're like, oh, no, 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 commitment. That's, ooh, that's, I, I don't know if I can do that. Uh, you, you, different fears come up for different reasons. Uh, perhaps you've been hurt before by someone you thought was, was committed to, to you. Maybe you thought a parent was supposedly committed to you but they ended up not being committed to you, and it really hurts. Uh, some of you feel a little guilty, perhaps, when you hear the word commitment, because you immediately think about, oh, ooh, I'm, not, I'm not a committed person, you know, and, and maybe, maybe you start feeling a little ashamed or guilty about something. Here's the deal. Let's put, put those thoughts on pause. Hit the pause button. Don't let those creep in right now to this discussion, because I think as we take a look at Jesus and his teachings about family and commitment, I think there are some beautiful things there that will actually free us to know how to commit to each other, all right? Now, what's interesting, of course, when you think about commitment and family is that there's actually a lot of research out there talking about biological families that really indicate commitment actually is something very healthy, or commitment helps produce healthy family units. Uh, and so uh, you can look online and some of these studies, but I was, as I was preparing for this talk, I was looking online and I found some really interesting research that showed that, for example, when a mom and dad are committed to each other, specifically through the institution of marriage, like actually formally getting married versus just kind of having kids together and kind of just living together, but when they actually go through that step of marriage, they're 
many, many studies that show that that family unit tends to be stronger, the kids tend to be healthier, and it's primarily because there is a spoken language and understanding of commitment that the marriage institution has helped solidify. On the flip side, if you look at census data, for example, in 2015, you find that, this is really interesting, over one-third of all single mom families in the United States live below the poverty line, okay? And as, you just, as, as researchers and, and sociologists have thought through all the data, they've come to this really starking, stark and interesting and strong conclusion that I think we all innately know, that commitment actually helps our families be better, right? Now, here's the deal. That is true of the biological world, the biological families that we have. We believe here at Ethos that that is true also of the spiritual families that we're supposed to have, right? Now, in fact, when you look at the teachings of Jesus and think through what he said, um, we could look at a lot of scriptures, but I just want to put one simple scripture up today, and we're going to kind of think through this here today. A lot of times we read through a lot of scripture and those kind of things. Today is not one of those days, okay? So if you're looking for a little bit more, I'm sorry. Uh, We'll do that in other weeks. But today we're just going to literally focus on this one sentence and think through, huh, how do we actually live this out and be a community, a family of commitment? Notice what it says. This is talking about love, not in general, not romantic love, but in the context of this scripture called 1 Corinthians. It's talking about the love we're supposed to experience here as the spiritual community following after Jesus. And the author says this, love, this family love, notice what he says, love always protects, love always trusts, love always hopes, love always perseveres. A couple things to note, right, with this simple sentence. First of all, the word always <laughs> is attached to every verb or every action. It's not love sometimes protects. On occasion, it hopes. When it's comfortable or easy, it perseveres. No, it's always, right? And then the second thing, of course, is each of these verbs or actions, they're describing actions that are associated with commitment, right? When you know that someone's committed to you, you know they're always in your corner. They're always protecting you. You know they're always trusting you, even though you've broken trust. Maybe once, twice, 10 times, 20 times, 100 times, 200 times. They're always looking to trust you still. They're always hoping. They're always hoping that, hey, I believe we can still have a relationship even though we have broken trust. They're always thinking that this relationship is positive. This relationship is a good thing. They're always persevering. They're going to go through the tough times, the good times together. This kind of love, right, we would say is a love of commitment. It's the foundation of a strong sort of family. Now, here's the deal. All right, as we think about this, this sort of commitment is very, very difficult. It's very, very difficult. And it's difficult for a number of reasons, right, as we think about this. And we'll just put some of the reasons up here on the screen. 
it's difficult because, first of all, well, we're all very different. It's kind of going back to what Jefferson said. We have different ways of, I guess, dealing with cookies in the cookie jar, right? Um, we have different ways of dealing with the bathroom and how clean a bathroom should be. We have different ways of thinking about what's appropriate to talk about at dinner, what's appropriate to do when guests are home, what's appropriate to do in these different things. We are just different in our personality, in our race, in our education, in our class, in our culture. And those differences obviously make commitment very difficult. It's one thing to commit to someone in your family who's different. You kind of have to. You're stuck. But especially in a place like this, oh, man, it's easy to just be like, you know, you're different, and I'm just not going to talk to you anymore. Love here, though, is supposed to always trust, always persevere, always hope, always go after each other. Now, those difference, uh, the challenges also, though, get a little deeper, right? It's not just about our differences. It's also about these next couple of challenges that really have to do with actual hurt that's, that's been incurred. For example, unfulfilled promises, decisions where there are disagreements, Hurtful words and actions, prior wounds and brokenness. Now think about that. One of the first times I I remember as a teenager, my um, mom promising something and not delivering on it. I think that happens a lot, right? If those of you who are parents in the room, that kind of happens. You kind of say things maybe you don't think about. And you you don't fulfill those promises, and sometimes it doesn't really matter, but sometimes it does. And I remember as a teenager, one of the first times that happened to me, I was, like, shook. I was upset. I had a hard time trusting my mom again for this very, you know, small, really, sort of thing. But think about how that continues to build as we become adults and as we have to go through all sorts of different relationships. Broken trust hurts. Broken trust prevents us from commitment. Disagreeing about big decisions really challenges commitment. Hurtful words, prior wounds. Commitment can be really, really tough because of that. But not only that, as you think about this, there's some practical things that happen with commitment too, right? Uh, uh, Some of you know that uh, I've been married for almost 18 years. And uh, I, th- I think it's kind of a miracle, honestly, to be married this long because knowing myself and how stupid I am um, is, a, is a miracle. I, I don't know how my wife puts up with me, but she does. Uh, but, you know, this last year, I'm in, I'm in my 40s, and as I've been in my 40s, I'm seeing good friends getting divorces, right? And uh, some of you are, are in that stage, perhaps, where you, you're, you're seeing that in your life. Others of you, your marriage is like, whatever, it's not my mind. That's good. Don't worry. Don't need to get married. Being single is a good thing. We'll talk about that at lunch. Um, but um, what happens oftentimes with people who end up getting divorced, there are a lot of reasons for divorce, but what happens often is there's something called marriage drift, where the relationship just kind of drifts. And it drifts because uh, in many ways there's not a balance of this last point. There's not a balance of both side-by-side relationship, like, hey, we're working side-by-side, focused on something, we're trying to accomplish something. And then there's the need for face-to-face relationship, right? We're turned into each other face-to-face, have working on a relationship. What happens oftentimes in marriages, but really in any relationship, you can think of a friendship that's drifted. You used to work side-by-side, and so the friendship was good, but 
it got better when you had face-to-face, but then you lost one of those components. Or you had an imbalance, and so the relationship drifted. That, happens, that can happen very naturally. But that, if it happens in a relationship that matters, obviously creates difficulty when it comes to commitment. And that can happen very easily as we think about having family with each other. So here's the question, of course. Well, what do we do? How do we move forward? How do we, how do we tackle these challenges of commitment and get deeper in this invitation we believe God has for us in terms of learning how to commit to each other and become this great family for each other and our city? Well, as we often talk about at Ethnos, it, it always begins with God and what God has done through Jesus, right? And specifically in this moment, in this scenario, the first step is always to understand how God has loved us and how Jesus has loved us. Specifically how he's been committed to us. And many of you know the story of Jesus and the wider, bigger scriptures that he's a part of. Last week, if you were here, uh, Jonathan and Glorianne helped us think about this big story, right, that we are in, the story of how God has been consistently pursuing us, committed to us as humanity, even as we constantly turn our backs to God. He is committed to us, and he ultimately was, he was so committed to us that, right, he came to us as a human in Jesus to take on the burdens and suffering and the rebellion that we displayed towards him. But not only that, not only is God committed to us, as God became a human person, Jesus, Jesus also showed us what ultimate commitment looked like. He lived that perfect life of commitment, commitment to God, commitment to each other. And the reason he had to do that was not to just give us an example, but as many of you know, the story of Jesus is that Jesus came so we could Unite our lives with his. And as we unite our life with his, all the good that he did was credited to us. So that we would not have to face a holy, a just, a perfect God with our brokenness. His goodness was credited to us. So what does that mean? That means, for some of us here, when you think about commitment, right, you think like, oh my goodness, I'm never going to be good with commitment. I'm too broken. I'm too messed up. God will never, never, I'm, I'm never, just not going to live up to the standard God has. I mean, I can't even commit to saying hi to God every morning when I wake up, right? Like, I can't even commit to, like, showing up in somebody's life that I really love. I can't even commit to calling a friend that I know really needs me. I, I can't do that stuff. I'm not good with commitment. Hey, guess what? Jesus has done it perfectly. And when you unite yourself with Jesus, that's all credited to you. That's yours. You don't have to worry. He's lived the perfect life for you and I. So that we can be at peace and be free of guilt and live with new power. It's kind of like this, right? You, you know, sometimes you have people, speaking of commitment, who say they're committed to you but never show up. Maybe you had a parent say, yeah, we love you, I'm committed to you, never went to any of your sport games, never showed up at school for an award you got, 
even the participation in the world, right? I mean, they just didn't show up. And so, so their, their words meant nothing. But then you had that one relative or that one, one adopted auntie or uncle or whatever, and they showed up. Not only did they show up when you did well, they showed up when you didn't do well. When you were in that financial bind and you were about to get kicked out of your place, and they showed up and paid rent for you. They showed up and took your debt for you. That's what Jesus is doing. He's that God is not just out there talking about how much he's loved, he loves us and he's committed to us. And all these No, he showed up in Jesus. He showed up and took care of the thing we couldn't take care, take care of. He lived the perfect life for us. He's committed. Committed. And so the first thing we do in terms of journeying into this life of commitment is, man, we, we receive the love and life of Jesus that he has given us. Because we can't, we can't try to be committed people trying to like somehow work out of guilt. That's not going to work. We're never going to be perfect. We have to receive God's perfect love for us. We have to receive the credit he's given us. We have to be free to live a committed life. The second thing, of course, as we receive that love is we have to then begin to process that love and give that love and forgiveness to others. And this is crucial, especially if we've been hurt before and that prior hurt is preventing us from commitment. And you know, we don't have to get into it too much. I, I think you know, probably right now, as you kind of think about this, you know how that is in your life. You realize that, oh my goodness, yeah, I don't show up to this. I don't show up in this relationship. I don't, I'm not present in this part with this person in my family because I don't trust them anymore. They've hurt me. I, I am not going there anymore. Take a look at your table here today. Um, we've given you an important tool that we use at Ethnos, both here locally and globally in our Ethnos network. It's a simple tool on forgiveness. It's a simple, simple kind of prayer guide on how you can begin to process who you need to forgive in your life. And what's unique about this, though, as you look through this, is that it's not just about identifying who you need to forgive. I think we can probably all identify who you need to forgive. But notice number two. It says we need to think through basically the specific things we need to forgive people for, but more, even more specifically, the emotional lies that we have believed because of that hurt and wound. And we have to identify those emotional lies acknowledge that we've kind of been thinking that way and just give that over to God. That's part of the forgiveness process, right? And so take a look on the back, if you will. There's kind of a table on the back just to kind of give you some examples. So, for example, maybe you've been in some relationships where someone has made you feel worthless or stupid. You've been hurt by that, but most likely you've also believed a lie about yourself that is preventing you from entering into relationships again. Those lies could be, for example, I'm worthless or I'm stupid. 
If you believe that about yourself, you're never going to be able to get into a relationship, a close relationship, an intimate relationship, a relationship of trust, a relationship of commitment. And so, man, we want to encourage. We want to encourage you here. I want to encourage you. I, I really believe you and I, we are crucial to this city becoming a better city. We are crucial to the families that we are a part of, the neighborhoods we're a part of, the networks, the social networks that we're a part of. We, God wants to use us to create a beautiful, loving, wonderful family. But man, we got to go through these things. We got to be healed. We got to become safe people and transform people. Can I challenge us this week to, to, be, to, to dive in with us in these next four weeks? And by dive in, by taking this home and just take about 10, 20 minutes. Just sit down by yourself. Kind of go through this and let, let God speak to you, okay? Now, here's the deal. There's one other aspect of commitment. And let me just bring this up and then we're going to hit pause and you can kind of talk, talk through this with your neighbors. Um, all the, uh, just process a little bit. Commitment also requires not just like this emotional trust and emotional kind of work, but you all know this, right? And we've kind of given some examples. Commitment also requires showing up physically and even showing up financially. Okay, now, again, I don't want, don't let things get in your mind right now. Uh-oh, what is Yukon doing? Is he going to start talking about money? And how we need to give and all this stuff. And, and is he going to manipulate this emotional moment to make us give money? Don't go there, please. <laughs> Don't go there. Hear me out. I am going to talk about finances as it relates to spiritual family. But I, I want to talk about it hopefully in a healthy way. Okay? Here's the deal. You know that, especially, man, especially if you're an immigrant family, right? I, I'm definitely an immigrant family. Man, I remember when our family came to the States. I was born in the States, but when our family came to the States, I, li- I listened to the stories of how my, my dad and his brothers and sisters, my mom and their brothers and sisters, how they worked together, how they hustled together to make it in this country, right? Some of you, 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 you know what I'm talking about. And you don't even have to be an immigrant family. You just, the way family works, right, the way you, you, you bond together and, and move forward, the way you become a healthy family is, is you help each other out financially, Uncle Fred can't pay rent, we're going to help him, right? So-and-so's business is going down, we're going to all show up there and work together, right? I, my wife and I, you know, our, our parents had offices in their professions. I mean, as a kid, I was, I was in the office, like, helping out the office, right? Like, I know it's child labor, it's probably illegal, but we, hey, <laughs> yo, we immigrants. That's what we do, that's how we hustle, right? So, um, but you, you all know, you, right, we know this, right? If Real families, they show up financially. They, they, like, they help each other. I mean, we work together that way, right? And so here's the deal. At Ethos, we re- really believe we, we're supposed to, supposed to do this too. And this is how we do it. Let me just tell you. Number one, we actually have a financial fund here where people can apply, you all can apply, to get financial, fu- financial help every month. Not every, not, th- there's a cap. There's, there's, there's some limits. But we are committed to helping out anybody here who just is struggling to make ends meet. There's an application you can apply for. You get up to $1,000 a year. 
Uh, and it comes out of the pool of money we get together here at Ethos. That's something we believe in. That's something that in our brief few years of existence we've been doing. If you need financial help here at Ethos, we are committed to helping you. We're family. This is how we show up. But here's the deal, right? In order for this to work, yeah, we do have to, like, show up and, and give, right? And here's the deal. In a good, healthy family, you give what you can. We're not going to force you to do something. But you do need to you give what you can. But, but giving is a part of that, like financial helping. And, and here, here's, here's what I need to – this is why we're bringing this up right now. Again, we really believe – Something's going to happen here at Ethos where we're going to continue to grow in 2019 and good things are going to happen. More of our city is going to be in this place on the spiritual journey together, loving each other, being family together. But this is something really interesting that I really just need to be honest with you about really quick, okay? Last year in 2018, we had over 50 donors here at Ethos, 53 local donors. Uh, that includes, we, we count uh, family units as one donor. Okay, so we had 53 donors here, which was amazing. I mean, just look at, I mean, this is not a big group. 53 of us were like giving, which is awesome. Making like our, our scholarships funds, all these things work, right? Thank you. But this is what happened in the last five months. I just want to be honest. I, I need to be honest with you because we family, Right? Last quarter in 2018, that number was cut in half. Only 25 local donors gave. And then this last month, the first month of the year in January, only 16 people gave. Okay? We think we, think we can do better as a church. Like I said earlier, we're not, families don't force each other into things. So we're not here to force you to give. But we just, want, we just need to be honest, right? If we're going to be this amazing family and take care of our city, take care of each other, um, something needs to change about this. And so I just want to encourage us, as we think about, man, we really think this is the place we need to be. We think this is supposed to be family. Can I encourage us to also get practical with making family family? I think a good way to start is just kind of committing whatever you can in terms of finances. You don't have to give, you know, we don't need to get into amounts, but man, if you can just give like a, a dollar a week, <laughs> hey, start with a dollar a week, right? You don't need to pressure yourself. If you can give more, that's great. There's obviously a couple ways to give and just be a part of this, but we're talking about this. I hope you catch it. This is not about us getting your money. This is about family and us trying to take care of each other. I've said a lot, let's take a moment, turn to your neighbors and just process, what's hitting you right now? What are, as you think about this idea of commitment, what, what's hitting you? What are you finding helpful? What do you, what do you disagree with, perhaps? Let's take about two minutes, process this with your neighbor, and we'll bring it back to the room. So I'm, I'm curious, what are, what are we processing? What are, what are some things you maybe agree with or disagree with? Uh, what are some questions, perhaps, you have? Uh, what, what are we processing here together this morning? Yeah, no, I'm just really impressed by the whole group and everything I've heard today. And I was just wondering about, you know, the general structure of the church, 
we were talking about, you know, there's other churches, and do the bigger churches help out the smaller ones? And, and she was telling me that you were the founder of all of them, so I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, so just, you know, curious about the whole movement. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, that's, that's in some ways what Blueprints is for, so show up to Blueprints definitely. But yeah, you know, one of the cool things about um, the Ethnos Network family is that we believe that locally uh, we need to be connected with each other. So a lot of the local faith leaders, we get together uh, pretty regularly to take care of initiatives in our city. A number of you have done things like Code Blue or take care of the refugee kind of situation. Uh, that's, a, that's a group of faith leaders trying to work together. And then the wider network, yeah, we actually are related to now about 16, 17 different groups uh, around the world. And uh, next week, actually, as part of the whole family discussion, we have a real treat next week. Uh, our, brother up in Andrew, our, our brother up in Newark, uh, Andrew, is coming down to guide our discussion. And he's going to talk about what it means to be a safe family. So you get to hear from our Newark family, like how, how, this, how this works up in Newark. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of things going on here, and we can get into some more of the details. But we do believe working together uh, and not, you know, isolating ourselves is always very dangerous. And when we think of ourselves just independently, that's, that's not a good thing. So that's a good question. Yeah. yeah. Other questions or pro things you're processing with this family conversation? Don't be afraid. that I've had are like number one is like am I gonna have enough if I give and also there's different like organizations you can give to it's not just your church that you go to but it, there's also like other things because I feel like there's never any lack of need you know like there's like you know there's people who are persecuted there's like missionaries and so I guess some of the questions walking through my mind is like you know like how do we like make sense of this and how, how do we number one not be scared to give um, especially since as like some of us were like uh, students, like how do we do that in a healthy way and still like stay like and have a clean, good budget? And then the second one is sort of like with all the different needs, like which ones do we contribute to and how much? Yeah, no, those are great questions. Yeah, especially when we start getting practical, right? And, and this happens again with our biological family. Right? When Uncle Fred or Aunt, Aunt Mary says like, man, we have a need, like you're trying to figure out, man, how do, I, how do I do this? How do I make the budget work if my uncle has something? And like, oh, my goodness, what do we do, right? Same thing with the spiritual family. Like, how do we do this well? Um, I, I think um, we really believe here at Ethnos, there's no, we, we don't want to make family cookie cutter, right? Just like your biological family is, man, it really is so dependent on the moment and, and what God is doing in that moment. We really believe the same applies here. And so what that means is, of course, you got to be familiar with the heart of God, the heart of Jesus. And you got to be familiar with things that he talks about, like generosity and joy and also sacrifice, things like that. Uh, let me just direct your attention to two things. Number one, you can go to our website, and when you click on the Give button, it won't ask for your credit card right away. Don't worry. You can click on it and be safe. Click on it, but then it actually has some links that we recommend to kind of read through to just understand how God thinks about giving and how Jesus thinks about giving. And that might be a good place to start. And then talking to each other, talking to uh, some of the leaders here, talking to your fellow grad students, or uh, if you're in a weekday group, talking to them about, hey, can you guys help me out with this? Can you help me figure out uh, how to do this? Uh, uh, next month, I believe, we are going to have a budget seminar uh, for our community. And so you might want to go to that budget seminar and just figure out, man, this, how, do, how, do we, how do we make this, how do we live properly here in our city? How does this work? Wait, on that note, oh, yeah, one more comment? Okay, we'll go one more comment here. And then, yeah. Okay, I just want to say something. Um, 
it all comes down to faith. You need to get real with yourself and God and pray. Get on your knees and pray because you need to have the faith as a mustard seed because with faith you will know and believe that you can make it till the end of the month. For a mother, divorced mother with four children living under the, you know, minimum pay and that, you know, she, she tithed not knowing what's going to happen tomorrow, but God took care of the tomorrow. And all four children went to college. How they went, I have no idea. But it was the faith. So get real with yourself. You know, you can read as many books as you want. You can go to as many seminars as you want. But without the faith, nothing is going to happen. So pray. Thanks, Rita. Yeah. And Rita has a story to tell. She kind of alluded to it. She's been to hell and back again, I think, in many ways. So thank you, Rita, for sharing. Hey, on that note, I want to invite up our musicians because I think, like Rita was saying, so much of this ultimately does come down to faith. It does come down to our interaction with God, our trusting God, or our following after God. Um, this whole thing about commitment, right? As we noted it all begins with us realizing that God is committed to us. That God has done everything for us already. And, and, you know, as we think about commitment, we're not trying to impress anybody. We're not trying to work out of our own strength. We can't do that anyways. We're not going to be perfect with our commitment. But if God is with us, first of all, he credits us, right, with, with his perfection. We talked about that. But then he gives us the power to walk into these commitments. And so what we want to do here in this moment is just to give us space to process things with God. To take a moment to pause and pray, to think through, okay, what is God trying to tell me today? How do I need to commit to him? And what might that involve as you commit to him? This is just this, this free space to process things. So can you join me um, just as just in a final word of prayer as we just kind of meditate on these words as well in the song? What a what a great song. Just, just help us think through and remember and reflect who God is, how He opens up the way for us. And so God, we are thankful for today. We're thankful for this moment to reflect on a very simple yet profound idea, this idea of commitment, this idea of how families are formed through commitment. And God, we just acknowledge to you, we, we don't have it figured out. We're very broken people. We Commitment is something we do very imperfectly. But we're thankful that you were and are perfect in your commitment to us. You have demonstrated that time and time again historically. You've demonstrated that in Jesus. You've demonstrated that even, even this morning for some of us. You are God committed to us. And so Lord, we just say please open our, open our hearts, open our minds, open us up to you to let us change, to let you change us and make us into this family 
based and grounded and rooted in who? How different would we be? How different would our own biological families be? How different would our neighborhoods be? How different would our social networks be? How different would the city be if we were touched and changed by commitment? Oh God, oh God, do your work in us. Thank you. And it's in Jesus' name. Thanks again for joining us for today's conversation. For more information about Ethnos New Brunswick, please visit us at ethnosnb.com.